Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live every Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you from the Wisden in Las Vegas, which is Spencer's studio. Uh, That's because coming up on two years now, the pandemic has forced us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. I wonder when I'm going to get to start stop saying that. And we'll actually be sitting there. Although, Wiz, I got to tell you, I love your studio. So we're good in here. Joining me on the show is social media director, Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats The Wiz. Nobody beats The Wiz. Uh, yeah, that's right. The Wiz not only has his own studio, he has his own theme music as well. And back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows on Lotus Broadcasting, uh, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's OU. T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. It's on tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 today to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On tap. The Vegas Golden Knights have won two out of their last three, but still under 500 in their last 10 and are barely hanging on to a playoff spot. We'll talk about that. UNLV lost their final game of the regular season last night. Are they ready for the Mountain West Conference tournament starting this week? Well, we'll hear what UNLV's Bryce Hamilton, who is the top scorer in the conference, has to say. March Madness has begun, and Las Vegas, man, it is the hub, hosts Five postseason conference tournaments this week started already. And Coach K retires. Brittany Griner is literally in lockdown in Russia. And NASCAR's Pennzoil 400 happening today at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway with a first-timer on the pole. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one name at a time. Um, call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options in the state of Nevada. And uh, Spence, what's going on, man? Another week? We got uh, all kinds of conference tournaments. You and I are going to be busy this week. Yeah, and uh, Vegas is truly turning into the sports hub of the world. If we get uh, a baseball team, then we might just have to straight up take the title. Well, we need a basketball team also, but I think we'll get both. And I, I do think within the next seven years, you will see a professional baseball team and uh you'll all see a professional basketball team you've already got you know a triple a baseball team and you've got a wnba team so but i i really think uh vegas is becoming a hub everyone wants to come here i mean why wouldn't you for postseason tournaments they do such a great job mags i know you've uh been to many of these conference tournaments it is a lot of fun to be in las vegas right now i mean march madness if you go don't get a chance to go to the actual tournament one of the venues there as well is there a better place to be right now than las vegas if you are an ncaa basketball fan no no there's not i mean um obviously we we have i believe you said five that's the the mountain west 
the Pac-12, the Big West, the West Coast Conference, and everyone seems to forget that the WAC Conference is also here, and obviously the WAC Conference now a shell of what it was many, many years ago. But I actually saw years ago uh, New Mexico State play, I believe it was Cal State Bakersfield, and Bakersfield ended up losing that game, but they ended up going to Madison Square Garden and played in the Final Four of the NIT that year. So you never know what you're going to see when you go to one of these conference tournaments. And now we've got five of them, the Big West, playing out at Dollar Loan Center. The first event at the Dollar Loan Center is the Big West. And I, I think that gets started maybe Monday or Tuesday. But I'm excited for it. Um, I'll be out there at the Mountain West, and I'm really Going to be following the women's side of things very closely because the Lady Rebels are the number one overall seed. I actually got to watch them play the other night. They took on Reno, and they unfortunately lost that game. But regular season conference champs, number one seed in the tournament. And uh, a win by them and a win by Reno sets up a rematch in the semifinals. So that, that could be fun as well. Yeah, this is going to be one of the most exciting tournaments, both on the men and women's side, at least the most anticipated in a little while, especially on the men's and the women's so well coached right now. And also on the men's side, I really like what Kevin Kruger is doing. It seems like he is establishing his own culture and dare I say the culture defensive culture, which the word defense is something we haven't used in any sport in Las Vegas in a while. And the last year we've seen the Raiders defense uh, step up um, and uh, now UNLV basketball. So it's kind of nice to watch this team scramble on the floor. Although yesterday, a, a tough loss on the road. I had a bad feeling about that game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's start off the way we always do every show, Spencer. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Carrier cycling it along, and Chandler Stevenson kicks it up to his stick. Pops it into the middle, gets it right back from Carrier. Far post to Amadio, who scores. Wow. And it's knocked away by the Golden Knights, bringing an end to the hockey game. Five was enough. Vegas holds on down the stretch, and they defeat the Ducks in regulation 5-4. Yeah, you know, they won the game um, on Friday night. It was good to see. They needed the win. Two of their last three, as I mentioned, albeit over the Ducks, and uh, the other win was over the San Jose Sharks, and sandwiched in between a loss to the Boston Bruins. Um, Chris, you know, I got to say I'm scratching my head at this team. It was nice to see Amadio get that goal. It was nice to see Nicholas Waugh get a couple goals last night. It was nice to see Ben Hutton get a goal over his old team. But aside from that, this team is inconsistent, a uh, little bit suspect in goaltending. I mean, I'm not going to say Brassois didn't play well. He did, although the first game goal he gave up was horrible. I mean, his legs were spread apart, standing straight up, two absolute no-nos when the puck is down deep in your end for a goaltender. But I'm not not going to hang anything on him or even just the goaltending as a whole but this team Chris has got to find consistency or you know I think they'll make the playoffs still but if they don't find consistency they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to get stuck in the mud well there, there's a couple of factors in play here for starters there there hasn't been an opportunity to really build any consistency just because of all the injuries I mean now you've got Brady McNabb out of the lineup. Golden Knights were missing uh, um, Matthias Yanmark, who, who's out. Max Pacioretty is out. Obviously, the, the issue with Mark Stone. 
Robin Leonard just comes back a couple nights ago against San Jose after missing a, a, a bunch of weeks. The opportunity for this team to build consistency between the injuries and the fact that February was such a weird month schedule-wise, it seems like they would play two, three games, then it'd be off for six, six days. Come back, play a game or two, then off for like four or five days. Now you're into the the, the, the grind. There's going to be games almost every other day. The team plays Ottawa today. They hop on a plane after this game, fly to the East Coast for five, although one of those is in Winnipeg, so I'm not really sure how that factors into an East East Coast road trip, but they've got Buffalo, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Columbus coming up. Those Look, outside of Pittsburgh, those are games you should win. Then you go to Winnipeg. Obviously, that's always a toss-up because that's a, a really tough place to play. But I, I, I think we'll have this conversation in two weeks as we get closer to the trade deadline, and we'll see where we're at. Look, I, I don't know if Alec Martinez is going to come back and play this year. I mean, it seems like whatever is troubling him could be something that's going to keep him out. We, we don't know. I'm only speculating, but it doesn't sound like it's a good situation. Hopefully, he's able to, 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 to get well and get healthy not for hockey, but for Alec. Um, you know, Brian, it, it, it's tough, though, because this team has been beaten down by the injury bug this entire season. It started in the second game of the season against L.A. I'll be honest. I thought they looked a little lethargic in preseason, and I know you, you can't really read a whole lot into that. They kind of came out slow. They started 1-4, and four, but, I mean, Pete DeBoer is doing the best job he can with what he's been dealt and, and, and look, you, you're, you're and credit to Gary Lawless because he brought it up the other night in the broadcast against the Ducks. By percentage wise, the Golden Knights have the third easiest schedule remaining. This is a team that should be able to bank some points coming up. And everyone says, you know, count your chickens or don't put the cart before the horse. Look, we're sports fans. This is what we do. We analyze things. When we're in, when you're in our position, you 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 kind of look ahead a little bit, and players don't, but we certainly do. And the Golden Knights are in a position where they should be able to bank enough points to where they should be able to get into the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to catch Calgary. Calgary is really good, um, and look, the Golden Knights haven't been able to really, as you say, get get any momentum built going forward for any consistent length of time, but. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll get into playoffs. And look, at that point, it really comes down to matchups and health. You got to hope that this team is able to get healthy. Look, I, I, I'll i be honest. If these guys are, are going to be out long-term and you're not going to get players back into the playoffs, I think you kind of have to look at being a buyer at the deadline. The problem is the Golden Knights have pretty much emptied the cupboard in terms of prospects and in terms of draft picks the next couple of years. So you're going to have to move something if you want to be a buyer. There's going to be good players available. I just don't know what they're going to do. I'm glad I'm not Kelly McCrimmon because I don't have to have all that pressure on me. But if I'm being honest, Brian, I think they make the playoffs. I think they're okay going forward. I think they win enough games. The problem is health and matchup once you get there. Yeah, you know, Kelly McCrimmon is going to have some, uh, you know, some tough decisions to make come trading deadline, Chris. And I'm not sure with Alec Martinez the same way as you. I, you know, we heard he would be back soon. Now it's you, you don't know. And I wonder, you know, and, and I just wonder, is it a salary cap thing? 
you know, I mean, there is an issue with the salary cap. We know for Stone and Martinez to come back right now, they would have to move somebody. We know Stone's not going to be back probably till the postseason. In the postseason, there's no salary cap in place. They might be waiting for both these guys to come back for the postseason. But, Chris, again, I know you said you think they'll be okay to make the postseason. I do as well. But it's definitely not a guarantee. And at this point in almost every season, by this point, we've known the Knights were at least going to be in the postseason. Right now, they're, they've got some work in front of them. Like you said, an awful lot of games in a very short period of time. Five in the next seven days with four of those five being on the road after t- uh, today's game at five. It is going to be a tough road to haul, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, what are they going to do, Chris, the, the, you know, at the at the trading deadline? Do you think at all they are thinking in terms of another goaltender? Now, you know, it's just been such big talk in Las Vegas, and I'm more siding with you, unlike some of our friends that think Robin Leonard can't get the job done. I think he can. I think a healthy Robin Leonard at his best is is a top 10 goaltender in the National Hockey League, and I think we, we've seen that at times, but we've also seen inconsistent inconsistency at times, especially this year, which is his first year as the number one goaltender of the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot of people out there screaming for his head, which is surprising to me, but we got a little bit spoiled with Marc-Andre Fleury, some of the tremendous success he had, the history of Marc-Andre Fleury, and him being the face of the franchise for the first four years. But again, is that a move that you think is in the back of Kelly McCrimmon's mind and uh, you know, and Pete DeBoer's mind right now? No, I don't think there's any appetite at all within the organization to make a move for a goalie. Look, the reality is you, Robin Leonard is your guy. And I don't think Robin Leonard has been bad. I think the problem is there's a lot of misconception and a lot of people who are jaded by their love of Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, look, the reality is Marc-Andre Fleury is not coming back. Get over it. Robin Leonard is your goalie. Robin Leonard is the man, whether you, the fan, like it or not. Now, you don't have to go to the games. You don't have to be a fan of the team anymore. If if your love of one player is greater than your love of the team, you're probably not a fan of the team to begin with. And I understand that, the, look, Marc-Andre Fleury really helped this city become a hockey town. He will forever be the guy who started that first game in team history. He will forever be the guy who carried this team to a Stanley Cup final. But he didn't win it. He didn't win the Stanley Cup. In fact, he really wasn't very good in that final. That's just the reality. But you have to get over it as a fan base. It's just the reality of the situation. He's not coming back. Maybe it's one of those deals where, and even that's the case, he would retire as a Penguin. He's not going to retire as a Golden Knight. It's not going to be a one-day contract thing. Just get over it. Robin Leonard has played good enough for this team to win games. The problem is the team in front of him at a lot of times this season, has not played very good in front of Robin Leonard. If you look at the numbers, like the raw numbers, Robin Leonard has had a better year than Marc-Andre Fleury. It's just, it's just the way it is. You can look at all the analytics, all the numbers you want, and there's no way to justify this team making a move to bring Marc-Andre Fleury back. That is not going to happen. The only way this team would even entertain the idea of making a a goalie acquisition at the deadline is if something was to happen to Robin Leonard and he was not able to finish the season. That's just that's 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 not something that's going to happen unless Robin Leonard gets injured and cannot finish the season. 
There is no move made for a goaltender, Brian. That is not even on the table. And I say that with 100% confidence. I don't have any inside information, but that's the way I feel. And I'm sure that's the way a lot of other people around this organization feel. Chris, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. Knowing hockey myself, I know they're not going to make a move for him unless either Robin Leonard or Laurent Brossois got hurt prior to the postseason. Uh, Laurent Brossois has proved to be a very admirable backup and very capable backup. And I think, uh, you know, as long as those two guys are healthy, I agree 100%. I don't think it's fair to Marc-Andre Fleury to compare him to Leonard this year because the Blackhawks are god-awful. And, you know, know, when you got a really bad team in front of you, it it also brings your game down a bit. So, you know, I'll give that to Mark Henry for late, but I agree with you 100%. Vegas Golden Knights have had several games where they have underproduced offensively. And um, even last night, a couple of times, they left Brassois out to, out to drive. We've seen it with turnovers in the neutral zone. And that can't keep happening. Those types of mistakes can't happen. You can't leave your goaltender on an island too often, especially when you're making you're trying to make some kind of a run for the postseason and in the postseason. So I agree with you, though. I think Leonard can get the job done. I think defensively they've got to play better in front of them. And the bottom line is these guys have got to put, put the puck in the net. Last night, or I should say Friday night against the Ducks, I'll take five goals. You score five goals, you should win. But you can't score one and two goals and expect to win constantly. It's not fair to put that kind of pressure on your goaltender. Well, well Brian, a, a perfect example is is the Boston game because they they they're down two one in late in the game, and Will Carrier hits the post, and then Golden Knights get they they, they get a penalty out of it. They end up not scoring on the penalty. Boston comes down, and scores to make it three one. How different is that game if William Carrier puts that puck in the net? It's a 2-2 game. They end up losing the game 5-2, but that was really, for me, the big turning point. Look, you can people can pinpoint and look at the goalie all they want. The reality is the power play has not scored goals in a long time. They went a long stretch of games without getting a goal from a defenseman. Look, the, 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 the bottom line, Brian, they need more production from the blue line in terms of offense, and I know Shea Theodore has had a really good year, but Alex Petrangelo's kind of, after the All-Star game, he's kind of disappeared a little bit in terms of the offensive game. Look, there's a lot of guys on this team, especially on the blue line, they need to pick it up a little bit and start putting some points in the net because the followers can't do it all on their own, and Jack Eichel has looked incredible, and he's only getting better, but he can't do it all on his own either. They need more production from the blue line, and I think these guys know that, and the real key for me, they've got to get, they've got to start getting that power play to put points on on the board because right now it's a disadvantage to them. It takes momentum away. They're better five on five than they are five on four. Yeah, no, that that is a huge problem. And I agree. That was something I was going to point out as well. Um, they do need to start producing more when they have the odd man advantage. And, and they, they're just not. And this team is skilled enough to do that. I agree with you 100% on that, Chris. And, you know, the bottom line is in this team, Again, you do need the defensemen. We have two of the best two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League in Alex Petrangelo and uh, Shea Theodore. Those two guys are counted on for offensive production. Even though they're really sound and solid defensively, they are counted on. Although, I think when the postseason comes, there's something very special about Petrangelo and the postseason, and we saw it last year. I think he'll be fine, but Shea Theodore has got to produce more offensively. We talked about him the last couple years as being considered as one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League in the near future. That near future that we spoke about a couple years ago is right now, and I think 
think everyone respects Shea Theodore's game and everyone knows his capabilities, but he's got to produce more and take some pressure off of some of the other players. Uh, I think, again, the Golden Knights, if I'm making a prediction, they will get in the playoffs. I think they'll climb up. They'll be about the fifth or sixth seed. They'll get it together. And um, and then, like Chris said, it's going to be about the matchups and how well they match up against whoever they're going to play in, in the playoffs. And I think getting by the first round is enormous. And if you do that, then the sky's the limit. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. You know, talking about uh, Vegas teams, and we always start off with this, UNLV basketball. Um a head scratcher. And I'm not going to say an overhead scratcher. They have overachieved this year. I am taking nothing away from what Kevin Kruger has done as a first year head coach uh, to, to come, you know, do this, never doing it before these players respect him. And the one thing I have seen with UNLV and I mentioned it uh, in the open is they're, they're establishing an identity and it's an identity of hustle, of grittiness, of getting down on the floor. I saw three guys dive for a basketball midway through the second half for UNLV, all of them on the floor. I love seeing that. And that is Kevin Kruger. He was a gritty guard, not, not the best defensive guard, but could put up some numbers and could play the point and he understands it. Um, love the guy. His post-game press concert are great. He's probably one of the most positive coaches I've been around and I think we all like him a great deal. And the one thing I said to some of our colleagues, Chris, after the game, after the UNLV game the other night against Wyoming is, you know, one of the best accomplishments of Kevin Kruger this year that I don't think is talked about enough is the fact that he retained Bryce Hamilton. I don't think any of us thought at this time last year or after the Mountain West Conference when we know T.J. Otzelberger was going to Iowa State that Bryce Hamilton would remain a running rebel. Even though he got, had a good relationship with Kevin Kruger, they've been on the bench together for a couple of years with Kevin being an assistant, all of us thought he was gone. He checked out going, going professional. He put his name in the portal. We thought he was gone, and he stayed the top scorer in the Mountain West Conference. There is no question UNLV goes as Bryce Hamilton goes. Um, I got a chance after the Wyoming game to get to get with Bryce one-on-one, talk to him about this season, the changes co- in coaches, and what it is going to take for this team to make some noise and what the ceiling of UNLV is this year. For those of you watching on YouTube and on Facebook Live, you'll see highlights of last night's New Mexico game underneath Bryce Hamilton. But this is a conversation I had with Bryce the other night. Okay, Bryce Hamilton, uh, senior night, final game, regular season game at the Thomas and Mack Center. What did this mean to you? Uh, it was huge. I mean, uh, I've been here at UNLV for four years. I, I watched a lot of seniors come and go. And just to be able to be in that moment, it felt good, especially to get the win. It was great. This season has kind of been surprising, I think, for all the fans. Maybe not for you guys in the locker room, but for the fans. Your decision to come back, you entered the portal. It, it sounded like you weren't going to come back initially. Now you came back. How happy are you about that decision now? Uh, I'm so excited I was able to come back. I mean, uh, I... Yeah, I've been with I've been at UNLV for three years. I didn't know where I was gonna come back or not. Uh, but me just being coming back to play for Coach Kruger, I mean, it means a lot. We had a great relationship, so I always kept UNLV in thought. Coach Kruger, a transition from last year to this year, so much going on. And again, that's probably why most people didn't think this team would have the success it has. What has Coach Kruger meant to you? Because obviously, he got you to come back. Uh, he means a lot. I mean, uh, when he was an assistant, I mean, we used to have just a lot of talks, either it was basketball or just off the court. And, I mean, we have a great relationship still. Uh, I mean, Coach Curry is great. I mean, this is his first year coaching. He's done a pretty good job, and he's only going to keep getting better. 
the elevation of your game this year, Bryce, no question. It is at the peak, top score in the Mountain West Conference. What do you attribute that to? Uh, my teammates. I mean, uh, I would be able to get there. They were, wasn't passing the ball. Uh, and, you know, they also have that confidence in me to be able to make plays. Also, my coaches. What is the ceiling of this team now? you got one more game against New Mexico. One I'm sure you guys don't want to overlook, but huge win here. A couple wins over Colorado State. You guys have had some really big wins this year. Mm-hmm. What is the ceiling for this team going forward? Uh, the ceiling is very high. I mean, uh, we got one more game to go left in conference. Uh, we're going to go out, you know, with the same intense. We go out with every game, you know, just try to get that win and, you know, build some more momentum to go into conference tournament. Lastly, what is it going to take for this team to have success, go into this conference tournament, have success, and maybe play some more post season ball uh just keep doing what we've been doing these past couple games uh just playing great defense and you know uh finishing with a rebound just and playing for each other on the offense end appreciate you thanks Bryce. yeah bryce hamilton again there's no question this team goes as bryce hamilton goes um some questions though and spencer i'll talk to you about this chris i know we, we were at the game together against wyoming the other night spence i'll start with you on this though um one of the guys that uh, really, I think, besides Bryce Hamilton, most of us thought the second best or most important player in this team would be Donovan Williams and then Royce Ham Jr. The one thing I will say, and again, we'll get with Chris in a minute on this, but last the game against Wyoming, Royce Ham Jr. cumulatively had the best game of his career at UNLV to this point. 17 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double against the Wyoming team that's got maybe the second best NBA prospect on their team, the guy's huge and inside presence, and Royce Hamilton really, really neutralized, um, you know, neutralized them all night long, Spencer. But the point is, Donovan Williams, you know, we, we thought he was getting better. He had COVID. His conditioning was bad after COVID. A lot of people are. It takes some time to get back in the game. But he was starting to see more and more minutes. Then yesterday, um, yesterday against New Mexico, I think he saw 13 minutes, hardly any points. They need this guy, man. Well, there's a lot of intricacies that come in with the basketball team. We're not there at practice, and those kinds of make big influences, and we're not a part of the scouting department either. It feels that way, and I feel like it's easier to say from like a fan perspective and what we've seen on the court. Uh, so I don't really know what the true process behind that is, but when I look at that New Mexico game they lost, which they obviously should not have at all, um, the biggest thing I look to, they went 3-for-17 from downtown in the first half. Now, you're going to have bad shooting nights, but UNLV shouldn't be attempting 17 three-pointers in one half. Maybe it's 17 three-pointers for the game. They're like a 34% three-point shooting team, which is obviously very bad. But not every team is going to be great at it. So what are you going to do instead? you got to go inside. And that's what they did really well in that huge Wyoming win. So I don't know what the formula was. I don't know how they don't take a timeout and coaches and just like, what are you guys doing? You know, stop this. That was a pretty bad coaching adjustment. And they even shot, I think, close to 17 in the second half, too. That's the formula for them to lose. That's the biggest point of contention for me. Um, and maybe that was a kind of a, a experimental game going into the Mountain West Conference tournament because, you know, it, they did lose and it does suck, but it's not the end of the world, right? They're still going to the, the tournament. They're still going to be fine. I don't know what happened, but, yeah, it's not the way you want to end your season, technically. No, it's not. And... You know, I said to Bryce Hamilton, I know you got one more game left. You don't want to overlook New Mexico. It seems like that's exactly what they did. And, hey, I don't care how bad New Mexico is. It's on the road, and the pit is a real tough place to play. It's loud. The fans are very close to the floor. It's something that, you know, you have to be prepared for. And, again, one of my friends yesterday uh, that that I was – 
going back and forth with, we kind of had a, a group chat, was saying, you know, the game really didn't matter. They were going to finish at best fourth anyways. The matchup turned out that they're going to play Wyoming, which I think everyone that has been following UNLV basketball, Chris, and I think especially after seeing Wyoming the other night, you don't want to play them twice this close together. But I think all of us, and especially San Diego State playing really well again, would probably rather see UNLV's first matchup against Wyoming than against San Diego State. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, the, the best part of this is San Diego State ended up with the three seed. So if you do play them, you're not going to play them until the final. You have to obviously win a couple games to get there. But I think the road for UNLV to get there is better as the four or in the four out of the four or five game as it would have been if it was if they had been the three seed or had they been the six seed. I mean, look, this is this is the reality. UNLV has improved from the beginning of the season until today. Kevin Kruger has done a really, really good job with, to be honest with you, a lot of guys who I think a lot of us really didn't know much about. Royce Ham. I thought he he's played really well down the stretch. I thought they should have given him the ball a little bit more yesterday. Um, but look, I don't. I I, I will say this, I, and I know you kind of you kind of alluded to the pit. UNLV should not lose to New Mexico. I don't care where the game is. That's not a good team. But the game didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But I would have liked to have seen them get a win. Just to just just to look, they're not an NCAA tournament team unless they win the the, the Mountain West tournament. But I think you, you, you build up some wins, you, you add some more to the resume, and it kind of maybe makes you somewhat attractive to the NIT. I mean, look, you're, you're, you don't want to play in one of those other things that they have. I don't even know if those things still exist. What is it? CTI, ACT, SAT, whatever, whatever those whatever tournaments are where you're going to play like Jacksonville State in the first round. You don't want to be a part of that. But I think for this team... The opportunity to play more basketball and the opportunity for Kevin Kruger to, to coach more games is only going to help. And I, I I I like what Bryce Hamilton had to say about Kevin Kruger. I also think it was it was Bryce Hamilton coming back. Not only was the best thing for UNLV, it was the best best thing for Bryce Hamilton because I I think without him coming back, he's probably a guy who who is in the G League or maybe playing in Europe. He's put himself on the radar by coming back. And I think he he has a legitimate case for Mountain West Player of the Year. I don't think he'll get it, but I think he's got a case. And I think that's the best case scenario for him and for UNLV. UNLV was in the final final selection or final three picks for this top 15 recruit. He ended up selecting Arizona earlier in the week. But just getting into that, that's how you start to build things back. Dave Rice was able to get these top recruits to UNLV. Kevin Kruger is a better coach than Dave Rice. I don't even think that's up for debate at this point. But Kevin Kruger needs to recruit like Dave Rice recruited. And I think if that if he's able to do that, this program will be back. Yeah, you know, Chris, I'm not going to disagree. The only thing I will say is, I, I, as a person, I like Dave Rice a lot. I think he got a little bit too much credit for recruiting because I really do believe Ryan Miller and Todd Simon had a lot to do with bringing players to UNLV when Dave Rice was there. Um, I've heard that through some very reliable sources that they did more recruiting than Dave Rice did. I don't know how true that is, but you see the success Todd Simon is now having up in up in Utah, Southern Utah, doing a great job. Second 20-win season. First time that school has ever won back-to-back 20-game seasons. Of course, Ryan Miller having 
big success too. Um, so, but but either way, I do like what Kevin Kruger is, and I think he will learn how to recruit. Hell, he's got a college Hall of Fame father that definitely could show him who's been, was known as a recruiter, and in my opinion, the grass the last great coach at UNLV, uh, you know was Lon Kruger, took him to a sweet 16. I think the sky's the limit for Kevin Kruger being as young as he is and really having a desire to be the best he can be. And you can see that with what he's done with his players. And the key is always when you played college basketball yourself, and especially for the team that you're coaching, that being one of his alma maters is you know, played his final season at UNLV. I think that really helps also earning the respect of your team. And I think Kevin Kruger is doing that. And I love the fact that he is trying to develop a deep defensive identity for UNLV, something there's no question, any sport, defense wins championships, and we saw them play very sound, stout defense against Wyoming two games ago. If they can play like that, and like you said, getting Royce Ham the ball, Royce Ham Jr. the ball more, if he can play like he did against Wyoming on senior night, that is how UNLV can make a potential run. The big thing to me about losing with New Mexico, yeah, it didn't matter in the big scheme of things. They were going to finish at best fourth anyways, which I agree with you 100%, Chris. That is the best spot for them. But if they win that game and say they get the matchup against Wyoming, which they have, and they win that game, that locks down a 20-win season for Kevin Kruger. And it's not a superficial 20-win season. They've won some good games in the Mountain West Conference, as I said, beating Colorado State twice, beating Wyoming. They have played really well and have overachieved and 20 wins would have to me cemented them into the NIT tournament um, going into the CBI with 19 wins if they if they pick up one more win in the tournament you know I don't know if that's a bad move this year only because of the improvement this team has and let guys like Bryce Hamilton Royce Ham Jr. let them have a postseason game at UNLV this team I think deserves to play in the postseason even if it's in a garbage tournament if it ends up being that way I would still like to see this team get that opportunity and watch them play a couple more games because they're kind of a fun team to watch more so than most UNLV teams I've seen in the recent past but the key is Spence what do you think it's going to take for this team to make a run in the Mountain West Conference tournament and to get themselves one or two wins and who knows maybe even win the thing like I said my opinion Bryce Hamilton has to play great every night, and Royce Ham has to play like he did against um, against Wyoming. And again, the one thing that's really been a bright spot as of late has been Justin Weber. The last couple games, this kid is coming off the bench. 32 minutes against New Mexico in a loss. The only other guy to have double digits, I think he scored 13 points yesterday. But all of a sudden, he is becoming an integral part of this team, and they're counting on him as well. Your opinion, what's it going to take? Well, uh, the one thing I wanted to say... Uh, is Chris mentioned that you know UNLV could be back? I don't know what back means because they haven't been good in like 30 years. I know I had that one Sweet 16 run, but back to me just hopefully means back to March Madness, back to playing meaningful basketball games. I personally wouldn't want to see them in a smaller tournament like CAB. NIT's fine. That's a fairly respectable thing to happen. That's a good stepping stool for them because I think when you look at someone like the Memphis Grizzlies from last year, you know they just barely made the playoffs, but they had a big win against the Utah Jazz, right? And I feel like if you can go to the CIB and get kind of wins like that, that kind of experience is invaluable, you know, um, especially in college basketball where tanking is meaningless. You're just losing. For them, any kind of like postseason basketball could do a lot for the young guys. And there's going to be a whole new team next year because of just how many transfer portal guys we've had, a lot of them seniors. But anyways, um, the one thing that's really interesting, though, is that they do play Wyoming in that first round. 
and they did get the big win, but Bryce Hamilton didn't play very well in that game, which is a good sign. He was three of 15. I mean, that's atrocious, uh, but you know, obviously they still got the win. So I think if he has a big game and they can take control of it, which obviously we know they can, uh, I think that could propel them. It's not like the Mountain West has any world beaters this year. Last year, in the you know maybe the last two years there are a couple teams that were in march madness that were you know some sneaky teams maybe no one thought they were going to win maybe someone thought the peak was the sweet 16 but that's really good for the mountain west this year i don't really see that at all now if they were to win the tournament and go to the march madness obviously that would just be insane and a lot of fun to watch them lose probably in the first round but nonetheless like i said getting there is the most important and i know there's a lot of other guys royce ham but it does fall on bryce hamilton almost completely because he is the team this guy's attempting over 15 shots a game and that's just kind of rare in basketball in one year, we have seen Bryce Hamilton mature tremendously yeah. as a basketball player and as a leader for this UNLV team. When he talks, everyone else listens on the team now. He is clearly the captain, the best player on this team, and, and like, you know, I think the best player in the conference this year based on what he has done for his team. I think the player of the year is going to end up being Matt Bradley at San Diego State. I think he's the best pro prospect. He is pro-ready right now, but I think it should be Bryce Hamilton based on what he has meant for this UNLV team. You take him off this team, and they're at the back of the Mountain West Conference playing in a buy-in game and probably won and done this year in the tournament, where the bottom line is if this team catches fire, which they have the players to do that, they could make a run in the Mountain West Conference tournament. It's the first time I've actually thought that and I'm almost bummed I'm going to Costa Rica next week and I'm going to miss the uh, I'm going to miss the Mountain West Conference tournament for the first time since 2012 and I don't know that I've been more excited about seeing the Mountain West Conference tournament this year. Both the men and women should be exciting. Hopefully UNLV can make a run and again I think it's going to come down to Bryce Hamilton but Spencer one other thing I think it's going to come down to tremendous defense and the last thing I'm going to say on this guys I disagree with you on the garbage tournaments only the this year. UNLV to me has not developed a culture over the past three decades to say we're going to bypass this tournament because it's lousy teams like Chris at Jackson State or somebody. I don't care. This team, if they win one game in the Mountain West tournament and end up with 19 wins, I think they should accept it a bid to a tournament like the CBI if that's all they get simply because again, they have not really you're, you're, you're poo-pooing a tournament when who are you to poo-poo anything? You're UNLV. You've been garbage for years. Take what you can get. Give these guys a postseason tournament. And again, because of the players on this team, they are exciting to watch. Why not see them get to watch them in a few more games? I've always disregarded and not liked those, those lower echelon tournaments in postseason. I thought they're garbage. What are you trying to be, like the, the 80th best team in the country? But in this case this year, based on what I've seen, if they win one game in the Mountain West tournament, end up with 19 wins and don't get invited to the NIT, I think they should take that bid for that reason because they have to me establish that culture yet or shouldn't be poo-pooing any opportunity they get at this point they should take the reward all right man let's move on talking about ncaa basketball we are winding down again we've got all these tournaments as chris mentioned uh at the beginning five tournaments right now going on in uh well we'll be going on some of them have started already but the big west the mountain west pac 12 the WAC, and the west coast conference all happening this week in vegas a lot of exciting basketball uh, the question is, and I'll ask you guys, and obviously it's an answer, is there a team right now in Las Vegas besides Gonzaga or UCLA that can win the NCAA tournament? Spence, I'll start with you. 
I'll, I'll keep it quick. No. <laughs> what do you think, Mags? I mean, obviously UCLA, no matter how inconsistent they have played this season, they are basically the exact same team that played in the national, uh, the national semifinals last year and lost to Gonzaga. This is a really good basketball team. Jazang, one of the best players in the country. And, uh, you know, of course, Gonzaga's Gonzaga, man. Sooner or later, they're not going to be the bridesmaids. I think before he retires, Mark Few being one of the greatest recruiters in college basketball history will eventually get a national championship. This is another year that we could say this could be the year. But aside from those two teams, what other team do you see in Las Vegas right now? Five conference tournaments that can make a run. Yeah, Brian, I'm racking my brain to try to run through all the programs that are here. And I'm going to throw one out that Spencer and you did not throw out. I'm going to say the University of Arizona. Because they are a really, really good team, a well-coached team. And look, they've been hovering around the top five, top six all season. They get hot, and we got to see them play earlier in the year. We got to see them just completely destroy Michigan. They picked that team apart like a Thanksgiving turkey. I think they're they're really good. I think they're better than UCLA. I think they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament. Is that a springboard? I don't know. But if I was going to throw another team in the mix besides Gonzaga and UCLA, I'm going to throw the University of Arizona in there. No, I think it's a great pick. They're top five team. They could end up with a number one seed. They win the Pac-12 tournament. They will be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And you're right. We did see them here at the beginning of the season. I thought at the beginning of the season, they looked surprisingly good. And they're not surprisingly good anymore. They're just a good team. And you are 100% right. Don't mean to overlook them. They're solid as can be. Uh, one team has gotten into the NCAA tournament so far. The Murray State Razors. John Morant's team without John Morant, only two years removed from the Racers. There's 20 wins in a row this team right has 30 and 2 on the season they beat Moorhead State convincingly in the Ohio Valley Conference Championship game this is a team if you watch them i think the ceiling for Murray State believe it or not watching them play in that conference championship yesterday this could be a sweet 16 team spencer yeah and uh it kind of mentions a couple of things like i told you uh like getting to march madness can change an entire program and obviously it did for them uh you know i uh, just People have a different outlook on your entire uh, program. But I will say this. I don't think it's a good thing to have 20 wins in a row going into March Madness because what's the first thing that people – what's the whole pregame for that going to look like? Oh, they're on a 20-game win streak. They're on a 20-game win streak. They're down at halftime. Oh, this is the Jeopardy. They're 21. You know, it's just going to be mentioned over and over again. And that just puts so much pressure on these kids. It's almost like they should have lost on purpose in the last game of the season. But you know what I mean. No, I do. And and you're right. Uh, Murray State has now become a team that schools – uh, the kids are looking at going to. They see John Morant there. And Chris, I don't remember the last great Murray State player. I remember Popeye Jones, you know, played at Murray State. And I mean, he was a second round pick in the NBA. But John Morant, without question, the best player that's ever come out of that university. I mean, God, it's amazing what he's doing for Memphis. In three or four years, we may be talking about John Morant as the best player in the NBA. But um, do you remember anybody besides Popeye Jones and that, that, that was great out of Murray State? No, no. And the funny thing about Popeye Jones is both of his kids are now defensemen in the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, the story about Popeye Jones and uh, when when he was in Denver and, and his kids falling in love with hockey and now he's got two superstars. Well, one superstar, one maybe AHL slash NHL player, a guy who, who's I mean, look, he's still really good in, in, in uh, 
you know, Seth Jones and, and obviously his brother. But but look, yeah, you're right. And Murray State has has done a, you know, it seems like they're a program that is always around the postseason. They've pulled off some upsets in their history. Look, two years ago, they go to the Sweet 16. Three years ago, they they won. Uh, they beat Colorado State and ended up losing to Marquette. I mean, look, this is a team that has a history of going to the NCAA tournament as a lower seed and winning games. I mean, look, a couple of years ago, nineteen when I was in high school, I remember they almost beat Duke as a number 15 seed. They were right there with the Cheat Devils all the way to the finals. Look, this is a program that has a long history of being a team you do not want to see in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And I remember a couple of years ago, they got screwed. They were they had like 27 wins. They were ranked in the top 25. And I think they lost to Belmont and they didn't get a bid to the NCAA tournament. Absolutely disgraceful there. But Matt Martin has done a really good, I think that's the name of their coach, Matt Martin. He's done a really good job at, at or Matt McMahon, I'm sorry. His seventh season, this is a team that has become a story in college basketball, not just for John Morant, but for the fact that they're pretty damn good. Yeah, the 22nd ranked in the country. They're not going to surprise anything. The one thing is about Murray State, especially this year right now, uh, they're not under anybody's radar. And like Spencer said, those 20 wins are something that's going to loom over their head, and somebody's going to want to end that winning. Well, everyone who plays them is going to want that and want to end that winning streak. Uh, but they're the first team into the dance. Congratulations. 20 wins in a row in any conference in Division One basketball is really, really really good. Cameron Payne also went to Murray State, by the way. That's one other name. Okay. Well, Spence, speaking of Cameron, we have Cameron Fieldhouse. We'll talk about that real quick. Uh, Coach K, his last game at Cameron Fieldhouse uh, yesterday against North Carolina, a game that obviously he would have loved to have won. Uh, he didn't. And after the game, of course, Coach K addressing the crowd at Cameron Fieldhouse. This isn't part of the program. This is important by me. I'm sorry about this afternoon. That No, please. No. Please, everyone be quiet. Let me just say, it's unacceptable. It's, today was unacceptable, but the season has been very acceptable. And, uh, and I'll tell you, the season isn't over, all right? <laughs> I, I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, I'm, I, I hate to be biased. I'm not a Coach K fan. I haven't been in a long time. I, is, is he the GOAT in college coaching? Well, for God's sakes, the guy's got almost 1,200 wins right now. If he makes a run in the NCAA tournament, he could end up with 1,200 wins. It's possible. He's got 1196 going into it. He's the only coach in the top 10 to this point, that's final game at home was lost, which I kind of like yesterday. Um, the closest one to him right now, Jimmy Bayham's got not, almost a thousand wins at 997, but he's still coaching. He hasn't retired yet. And Bob Huggins is number four on that list with 915 wins. But, you know, Coach K has done an unbelievable job. He, has, he is definitely um, the standard for college coaching. Okay, I'll give him all of that. I hated that post game switch. Telling the fans to be quiet 
I mean, what the hell was that, man? Why would you tell your friends? Because they're like trying to say, no, it's not bad. I understand, Coach K, you, you want to win it, especially against North Carolina in your last ever game. But you don't tell your fans to be quiet, man. Let them cheer you on and say it's okay. You know, you don't have to win them all and stuff. But I, I just don't I don't know, man. He's, he's one of the most pompous coaches there is. I've interviewed him a couple of times. You know, I'm not going to say that he hasn't earned that right. But in the same respect, it, it, yesterday's final uh, final speech bugged me, Spencer. Well, you won't hear any support from me. I mean, my family grew up in Las Vegas. We're all Vegas born, and uh, you know those in the '90s obviously just develop a hatred for the guy. Uh, I wasn't around during that time, so I don't feel as strong. But you know, it is his last speech at home, so it probably meant a little bit to him. He wanted everyone to be quiet, but that's that's who he is, man. He's not the most likable person of all time, <laughs> at least from my perspective. Yeah, and I'm also, you know, I, I, as a kid, I remember I was a UNLV fan growing up, despite the fact that I was 2,500 miles away in New Jersey. I will just say this. It's smarmy. It's it's arrogant. And what's the old saying? If you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, don't say it. Well, that's how I feel about him. That's how I feel about his program. And I hope they lose in the first round and his career is done and we never have to see him again. Chris, I, I echo your sentiments. Man. I not a fan right now. They're ranked number four, but that loss might bump them out of the top four. But of course, if, if they ended up winning the ACC tournament, they'd be a number one seed for sure. Um, I hope they're gone as well. Guys, real quick, wrapping this up. Uh, right now, Spencer, who do you say uh, before the conference tournaments, everything? Who is your number one favorite to win the NCAA tournament? This I year? say Gonzaga because everyone's discounting them. And I think that's the perfect spot for them to be in last year. They were expected to win it. And that expectations are horrible on these young kids. And this year, they don't have as much. Well, losing the final game to St. Mary's final regular season game. I think it's still a little bit of doubt in them and a little bit of confidence in everyone else around the league. But St. Mary knows Gonzaga as well as anybody. And to me, St. Mary's is one of the best coach teams in the country. And people don't talk about how great of a coach uh, he is, but you know, I um I don't know why, guys. I like the Purdue Boilermakers this year. I know they're coming up right now. They're the ace seed. They just did a, a big win the other day. But I really like this team because I love their inside dominance. And the one thing about Purdue is they play great defense. And we always say, guys, defense wins championships. Chris, real quick, 60 seconds. Who do you like? I, I have no idea, Brian. I, I mean, it's wide open. Um, look, I, I love to see Gonzaga win it just because I think it, it would be tremendous to see that program finally get to the peak of college basketball. But Brian, I, I legitimately have zero clue. Um, it, it's wide open. I think, I think we'll have to wait and see what the matchups are a team. I'm not going to sleep on and, and they're kind of sliding under the radar, but it's Kentucky. You know, Calipari, man, I mean, there's no question about it. Kentucky can definitely play. But can you imagine if they had Johnny Juzang right now who initially was there? Kentucky would be the number one team in the country and the favorite to win it all. I mean, but uh, I, I agree with you 100%. That is a team you do not want to sleep on. They've won the last couple games. We'll see how they do in the SEC tournament. But I think they're going to win it. And you're right, Chris. They could end up a number one seed also. I think they're, they're seventh right now. But that's a team that could move up if they win the SEC tournament. We'll see what happens. Almost out of time, but we can't do it without fact this this week because I want to talk about this real quick. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Griner, one of America's most decorated women's basketball players, has been detained by the Russian Federal Customs Service after it said it discovered vape cartridges that contained hashish oil in her luggage at an airport near Moscow. This 
means Brittany Reiner could face five to 10 years in prison under Russian law. Um, You know what? I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's, it's we're, we live in a different world right now. But why in the world right now with what is going on with with Russia, why would you take anything with you out of that country and take any kind of chances that really surprises me. I have a great deal of respect for Brittany Griner, one of the most decorated women basketball players ever without question, maybe the top five ever. Chris, why would she do this? Well, we could spend a lot of time on this. I'll just say this. This happened weeks ago and we just found out about it uh, a couple days ago. She's been detained in Russia for, for a few weeks. I worry, first of all, her her agent should have been in her ear letting her know what was going on and what was about to happen because we've known for about a month, maybe even longer, what Russia was about to do in Ukraine. I will also say this. I worry about Brittany Griner and what these these monsters in Russia are going to do to her and make an example out of her. I really have serious concerns about this, that they're going to use her and make her an example. Because, look, they're already committing war crimes in Ukraine by bombing civilians. What are what they're, they're capable of doing anything. And I have serious, serious worry and concern for Brittany Griner's well-being. Spencer, your thoughts? Well, nobody wants to be detained in a foreign country. Obviously, it's a very irresponsible thing to do, but I share those concerns a little bit. Um, I don't tend to think that like the Russian people maybe are aren't necessarily responsible for everything going on in Ukraine. They just happen to live there. You know what I mean? But you know, jail in there, I'm sure it's not great here. I don't. I doubt it's like any better, or I'm sure it's much worse than Russia. Yeah, let, let, let me clarify. I didn't mean the Russian people. I meant the 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 Putin and his his cronies. That's what I was referring to. Not necessarily the Russian people. I yeah. think everyone got that, Chris. And I'm going to say I am concerned, just like you are. Uh, she is a perfect person to make an example of right now. And she is there. She broke the law there. And this could be extremely serious. She should have known there's a reason they're asking you to get out of Russia a few weeks back. And you got to be careful. So real quickly, also, uh, just on ending, ending today, uh, today, little while nascar penske 400 and first time ever christopher bell on the pole with the joe gibbs race team how about yesterday joe gibbs grandson 19 year old uh uh what what uh, i can't think of his name now Ty gibbs i believe his name 19 years old won uh won the race yesterday pretty cool representing his grandfather's racing team uh joe gibbs racing listen we're out of time i want to thank uh chris chapman back in the studio spencer ostrowski and of course bryce hamilton for giving me some time this week i'm brian feldman i will be gone next week chris Wynn and spencer sitting in for me along with uh along with chris magnum chapman uh, but i'll be back the following week and we'll be talking lots of ncaa basketball thanks for joining we'll see you next week Bye bye